Good morning. So, guess what? I was not originally supposed to teach you this morning. So, uh, yeah, uh-oh, that means somebody's not doing well. Um, and so that's actually how I want to start our morning. Sue Edwards was supposed to be with us this morning. Um, and I've joked around before, and it's not funny because she's not dying, Okay, I mean, we all are, but she's like, there's nothing like that. I'm like, well, she'd have to be on her deathbed, deathbed not to show up. Well, she's not on her deathbed, but she is not feeling well at all. And she is discouraged because, you know, um, if you know Sue, she's one of those people that is like so highly responsible. It is killing her to not be here. Like literally, if she could have propped herself on the stool, she would have done that for you today. Um, And so can we just start by praying for Sue and also praying for our time this morning? Uh, Lord Jesus, we ask that you would encourage Sue right now. Lord, we know um, just how hard it is to be sick, to not have your body do the things that you want it to do. And so Lord, we ask that you would heal her We pray that you would take her to the right doctors who could give her the right diagnosis, give her the right medications and the right prescriptions. And and we just ask that you, though, as the great physician, would heal her body. That right now that you would go in and make whatever is wrong right within her. Lord, I also just want to pray for our time this morning. You are a sovereign, all-knowing God. And so uh, you knew that this was our morning before we did. And so we believe that you have something divine for us in this time. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would teach us through your word, that you would teach us through each other. Lord, that you would um, help me to speak words that you have for us this morning and that the rest of the words would just fall away. So Lord, we we ask that you would do something sweet and special something that would just lead us closer to you, to being your servant, your humble servants. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we are gonna do something a little bit different this morning. Um, One of the options was Sue uh, has already written her message and she writes her message longhand. So one of the options was that I could actually stand up here and deliver Sue's message to you. And I read it through a few times kind of with the intention to do that and quickly realized that um, I would be reading to you for a half an hour. Who loves to be read to for a half an hour? Uh, It's actually not a very good way to learn. And um, so I decided that's probably not what we should do. Um, But maybe we can use the ideas that she's prepared for us to springboard into having some conversations around the table and actually teaching each other. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to do some teaching and lead us into some questions, but then I'm going to have you guys talk at the table Um, and share some ideas. And then we're actually going to run some mics around the room and we're going to talk to each other a little bit this morning and share some ideas with each other around serving um, and why we struggle to serve and maybe some ways that we can overcome that. Uh, So before we get there though, um, I wanted to just pause and pull us back to the beginning of Peter's journey and have us think through some of the steps that we've seen him taking because these steps build on each other. So we went back to the beginning. Remember in our very first lesson was all about Peter being called. 
And then Peter gets called again, and that's where he and Jesus go out and they fish at the wrong time and in the wrong place, and he catches a boatload of fish, literally a boatload full of them. And in that moment, Jesus proves that he is worthy to be followed. And that's really the beginning of our journey, is is learning that Jesus is worthy to be followed. And then he starts following Jesus, kind of the high has, has gone away, and he starts moving in to the next thing. And he learns that there is majesty in the journey. That even when it feels monotonous, even when it feels like it's just more of the same thing, another healing, right? Like we would get bored with that, but maybe he did. Maybe he got bored, and so, but he has to learn. No, he is following Jesus, and there is majesty even when it feels monotonous, and so he needs to keep going. And the next thing he learns is that then there are some bold, risky steps he needs to take, right? And he learns he's got to get out of the boat. If you want to follow Jesus, you got to get out of the boat. And we talked about what, what are our boats? What are those things that keep us safe and that Jesus is saying, can, can you take a step out of there for me? And then we learned that we have to die to self. Peter learned this. This was a sad lesson for him as Jesus looks him in the eyes and says, get behind me, Satan. Because what Jesus has, or what Peter has done is he has asserted his will and his desires over Jesus' will and Jesus' desires and actually God's will, Jesus as a member of the triune Godhead. The will for us. And so Peter learns that if he's going to follow Jesus, he has to actually die to himself. He has to be dead to self so he can live in Christ and truly nothing else matters. Well, the next lesson he learns is the next step on the journey is about transformation. And it comes through listening. And God says to Peter, stop, stop talking, listen. And we learn in that moment that it is through listening that we are transformed because how we think informs how we act, doesn't it? Now we are at this place where Peter is now called to bless. And we too are called to bless. He's called to bless as he watches Jesus do something that should shock all of us as he gets down and he washes feet And then he says, now I've done this as an example. You do as I'm doing. Be obedient, Peter. Go out and serve and bless. And that same calling is for us. Well, Sue um, has started her message with an illustration that I want to share. This is an illustration from her life uh, about her daughter's. Now, Sue loves a great mystery. Uh, She says that she loves a great mystery because she loves it when the villains get outsmarted by the good guys. And she got to experience a mystery in her own life a few years ago. And this is when her daughters were teenagers and they lived in their home. And her daughters actually wanted to work at a summer camp as a counselor. And uh, in order to do that, though, they had to go and they had to serve one entire summer as work crew. And that meant that they had to just go and do whatever they were told. And so the girls are super excited to serve Jesus. And they're like, yep, sign us up. Sue and David drive them down, drop them off at this camp. And then they go back and they visit them. And they see something astonishing happen. 
They see their two daughters setting tables three times a day, like 20 tables, and not just setting them with the clean stuff, but clearing off the dirty stuff, scraping off all the old foods, scrubbing pots and pans, uh, scrubbing toilets, changing bed sheets, doing all this menial, kind of low, sometimes gross work. And what astonished them was that they did it with joy. Like they were so excited and they were exuberant and they were like, yay, look, we're scrubbing pots. It's awesome. And then the mystery happens. They came home. (laughs) And you know what happened. They crossed that threshold back into Sue's home and all of a sudden they didn't know the difference between a dishwasher or a washing machine. (laughs) And... Setting the table is so hard. You don't really want me to put the glass in the dishwasher, do you, Mom? So what happened to them? What happened? What made them so willing to serve in this one setting and then so unwilling to do actually a portion of what they were asked to do over the summer? Just a small little slice of it. And all of a sudden, they dug their heels in, and they were so resistant to it. And so that's where I want us to start this morning. I want us to start by dialoguing around this question. Why are we eager to serve in some settings and reluctant to serve in others? Now, I want you just to grab a pen and your book and and jot some things down. What makes you be personal? What makes you eager to serve in some settings and reluctant in others? Go ahead and take a second to just write some things down. Okay, so what we're going to do is we are going to put a timer on the screen for three minutes. And you'll have three minutes to discuss at your table this question. Um, and, And springboard ideas to each other, and we'll see how the three minutes goes and if that's enough time. And then we'll, um, we'll, we'll talk in the room and we'll see what we've come up with. So go ahead and take some time to discuss at your tables. All right. So um, Amy has some two mics, which I don't know how she's going to split herself in half. We're going to, that's going to be really fun to watch. Uh, We've got two mic runners. And um, so here's the thing. This, this conversation is only as good as you being willing to participate in it. Um, And so I want to encourage you because sometimes you know you're supposed to talk and it is scary to talk into a microphone, Um, but I really want to encourage you if you feel like God is kind of like tapping you on the shoulder and telling you to share, or maybe that's your leader telling you to share. Uh, Either way, go ahead and raise your hand and share with us some of the things that were said at your table, maybe just one or two. Um, And we also want to encourage you, not not the two, three-minute story, just the the short little version. Nancy, oh, Barb's going to model this for us. All right, Barb, what, what, tell us why, what your table said. Well, one of, I'll just say what I said, because I can't speak for these things. Um, and we actually discussed this earlier a little bit in, with the great questions you already had for us, Jody. But what occurred to me with this one was there's the duration of the volunteering to oh. serve is pretty critical because those girls, they could dive in and do the camp thing for one week. And then it was over. 
But when you're serving and there's no light at the end of the tunnel and you do it day after day and you mop the floor that's going to keep getting dirty, it's just harder because yeah. you don't know when that's right. it's unending. That's right. That's a great, yeah. I, I, I think we identified, there was some identification with that in the room. That's very true. Yeah. Um, actually, we have a, a few. No, I mean, just yeah, say a few. Go ahead and share some with us. Um, the monotony of a routine, like when you're required to cook every day for your family versus <laughs> having like a special event and doing something for fun. Yeah. Uh, that makes a huge difference. We talked about attitude, the expectation, um, and also um, somebody appreciating. Uh, a stranger might appreciate what you ah. do more versus your family taking you for granted. Yeah, so it, it's sometimes it is easier, sometimes harder, but sometimes it's easier to serve people we don't know. Yeah, um, it feels special. Yeah. Hi. Um, our table talked about, and I'll just kind of summarize it, when you have a group or somebody comes in that has a need, like Katrina or something like that, it's a lot of fun to do it as a group together, and when you're with people uh, who enjoy yeah. doing it, like the girls that cleaned every That's day. Right. They were in a small group that That's prayed right. about what that was going to look That's like. That's right. They were a part of a team. Yes. Yeah. And when you're part of a team, it's fun to be that team and to do it. And then when you're home and you're, you know, you do it every day and it's like cooking for moms that are stay-at-home moms that are, or even anyone who cooks. Yeah. But Yeah, the food you know, still has to happen, right? It's first yeah. breakfast, second breakfast, snack, first lunch, <laughs> second lunch, and snack, and then dinner. So I'm coming to your house. Second breakfast, yeah, right? Seriously, you had one breakfast, we're done. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Anything else? Yeah. Yeah, oh, um, <laughs> Nancy's on a roll today. Um, we actually spoke about, I mentioned the lack of encouragement, because I sometimes think it's, mm. it, is, it helps when you encourage someone and say, hey, you've got this, you can do this, you know? Please help us out. So when, when we encourage each other, I think it's easy for people to step up and serve versus just, you know, hey, sign up sheet, you know, just kind of do it. So I found that I serve better when someone kind of says something positive in my ear. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think, you know, we're hitting on a lot of different themes. One is for for Sue's daughters. We'll go back because that's, that's just a, such a great illustration of being willing to do something in one scenario and not in another. Um, they had a bigger vision, didn't they? See, they knew at camp, oh, we're serving Jesus. And, and not only that, by scraping these plates, they had caught the vision that by scraping those plates, they were uh, making space for kids to hear about Jesus. They were making space for this really true life transformation to happen. When they went home, who are they serving? Mom, that's not very compelling. <laughs> I don't want to serve mom and her vision for a tidy house. I mean, <laughs> right? That's like, I'm just going to leave my shoes here and the maid's going to get it, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's just my house, right? So, um, I, yeah, I mean, I think there's this part of, part of the reason that we are eager to serve in some scenarios and reluctant in others is that we've lost or caught the vision. Um, 
And, and I think the monotony, you know, the, the expectation, the fact that we are doing things repetitively over and over and over again makes it really hard. And you're right, there is something energizing about going in and doing this. And they were actually there all summer, but still, even 10 weeks of mopping floors, when you're doing it with a team, and when you're encouraging each other and you're in it with people and you, you have this bigger vision, you can do it with joy and with exuberance. And when you come home and there is no end in sight and there's just always another dirty dish and there's whatever it is, it, it starts to feel really weighty and boring and, and purposeless. And so I think part of it is that there is not vision. Um, I think the other reason... And one of the things that we see in this passage that we studied this week is one of the reasons we struggle to serve is that we forget our identity. And our identity, the girls' identity at camp, they were work crew members. And that actually became their identity, and they, I think they probably wore that with pride. Um, our identity sometimes gets lost and misplaced. And I love, I've, I've been thinking about this verse a lot. It's in John 13. And if you want to open your Bible, um, we'll maybe refer back to this passage a few times, depending on how our morning goes. But um, John 13, 3 says this, and I'm reading out of the NIV. Jesus knew that the Father had put the, all things under his power. Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power. He knew his position he was, if all things are under his power, what does that make him? All powerful, right? The most powerful. And that, and, and the verse goes on and it says, and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. And so he knew his position and he knew his identity. He had come from God and he was returning to God. And then I love the next word that begins verse four, at least in my translation, it says, so. Jesus knew all of these things so. So he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. See, when we know who we are, we are then able to enter into those situations. So, and, and our identity, we, we know our identity, right? We are daughters of the king, we are created in his image. We are God's image bearers. And when we remember that, we can say, so. We got up again and we prepared another meal. So. We were kind to the person that crossed our path. So. We did whatever it was that God laid in front of us that we could do to serve him that day. So I think part of it is vision and part of it is identity. Now, what God did in this passage, what Jesus did in this passage should really just blow us away. God, knowing who he is, gets up and he washes feet. Now, it's hard for us to really make the jump from, from today to then, but I want to share with you a few things. Um, some of this you already read in your lesson. But one is that the position of the foot washer, the person that would wash the foot, the feet, was actually a slave. You could say servant if you want, but they were not there by their own will. They were, 
indentured servants. And it wasn't just any servant or slave that could do the foot washing. Um, It was the Gentiles. See, the Jewish slaves and servants were actually too good for this work. And so they went to the foreigners, to the people that were the lowest caste of society, the lowest of the low. They were the ones that were tasked with washing feet. Now that blows me away a little bit because what Jesus is doing when he stands up and he takes the position of not just a servant, but the lowest of the low servant, the servant that they would turn their nose up to, the servant that they hardly even considered human, the one they assigned no dignity and no worth to, that is who Jesus took on looking like. And that should really cause us to pause. The second thing to know is how gross this work was. See, now they didn't have shoes and socks like we do and paved roads. They walked on dirt roads where animals also walked. And you know what animals do when they're walking along the road, right? And so mud and dirt and all kinds of things have mixed in to the path. And they're walking on open-toed, flat sandals. And as much as they may try to walk very carefully on these roads, it's not always happening. And so things get kicked up, and they are covering their feet. And when they go into the upper room to have this meal, they don't sit at tables like we sit at and put their feet under the table. They, they recline on their side, and so their feet are actually up at the level with them. Okay, Do you know how bad stinky feet smell? You do, right? Like you've had someone in your car with stinky feet and you're like, seriously, roll down the windows. Like, I don't know what you need to do. We're burning those shoes when we get home. (laughs) And here are these grown men sitting around the table, many of them, and there's this beautiful meal prepared. Yeah, that's an assault to the senses. And what Jesus does is he is blessing them. He is blessing them by washing their feet. Because when he gets up and he does this and he takes away the smell and he basically allows them to then enter into the meal and smell the lamb and enter into the meal and see Jesus without being distracted by what's going on. See, Jesus is doing something that needed to happen, and since no one else stepped up to do it, he did. And he did it because he wanted to bless his disciples, not only so that they would follow his example, but also so that they could pay attention and be focused and be present the rest of that meal because there were some very important things that were happening there. So let me ask you, and this is very similar to the first question we just talked about. And so we'll see if they're, they're different enough. But I want to know, we talked about the first one was, what makes us reluctant to serve? And I think the reluctance comes from the fact that we haven't caught the vision, or we don't know our identity, and, and some of those things were touched on. But what, what practically hinders you? What roadblocks come into your life that actually make you say No when an opportunity is given to you to serve. So what hinders you from serving? Because the disciples saw a need, 
knew something needed to happen, and they just turned a blind eye, didn't they? They sat down, and they started to eat. So they said no by their actions. So what is it that hinders you from serving? So go ahead and take a moment um, at your table. We'll do three minutes again on the timer, and, and let's talk about that. All right. So did you come up with anything different? Some of the, oh, yes, I hear a yes. So share with us. Who said that yes? You're on the spot. Oh, she's, we've heard from her already. All right. Yep, go for it. All right. Um, We talked about uh, distraction, selfishness, time, priorities. Yeah. What's in it for me? Ooh. Never thought that before. That's good. Who else? Yep. Uh, We talked about some people, the older ladies can't drive. You know, they're limited in what they can do, but they still have this heart to serve. You know. So limitations. Yeah, limitations. It could be also physical. You're not as strong, but you still have this heart to serve. Mm. And then also it's intimidating when you have to go through all these hoops, you have to have a personal background check. They have to have your fingerprints. Mm. You have to fill out all these forms. And it's like, do I really want to do this? Mm. You know? That's good. Um, Thanks, and then Nancy. lack oh. of skills. Well, somebody mentioned, I, I really don't have the skills to yeah. do this. I'm willing to train, but it's, it's not always easy. Yeah, those are, those are some practical, those are, those are real challenges more than, more than beyond the heart. Yeah. Sometimes we don't make it easy. Yeah. We decided one more is uh, expectations of others. They say, why are you doing that? You know, yep. and like if it's your spouse, it's keeping the peace because they don't want you doing it. So expectations slash support of others. Yeah, that's good. Anyone else? Someone we haven't heard from? There we go. There's another one. Our table said this over and over, and we came to fear of failure, Mm. and then we went down a little deeper, and it's a spirit of perfectionism. If I can't do it perfect, (laughs) years and years ago, I signed up to listen to children recite their memory verse in Awanas, and the the little guy got it so close, and so I gave him his little badge. Well, one of the moms observed that, and she jumped all over me and said, we don't give the, I never did it again. Yeah. So, and, and I think we all agree that we feel like a spirit of perfectionism. I can't do it as well as she can, so I'm not even going to sign That's up. good. Yeah. Well, and I think comparison is huge. Um, sorry, I overheard you guys because you're right there. Yeah. I overheard them say, well, someone else will do it. Yeah. <laughs> Which I was like, I wrote, I'm like, yeah, I've said that before. <laughs> Someone else will do it, and someone else will actually be better at it. Um, we're going to, I want to go on, because I want to get to the last question. Um, but here's, here's what I think I'm hearing. Um, outside of the real hoops that we've set up by structure, um, I think part of what we fear is... Um, <laughs> Distractions, selfishness, time, priorities. I mean, to me, that's all trust, right? There, it's a lack of trust issue. We, we, we don't trust that God's actually going to redeem the time because I don't have it. Time is the one commodity I can get no more of. 
So I don't know if God's going to redeem the time or if he's going to um, replace the money that it's going to cost or if he's going to um, ease the discomfort or the fear that I feel. Um, You know, the other thing is sometimes I wonder is, is it actually that beneficial to the person that needs to be served? I mean, do they really need it? Because, you know, oh, yeah, you too. Uh, But here's the thing. We are called to bless. You know, when Jesus gives this example to us in scripture, um, he says, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. And just in case we think it is just about washing feet, he says this, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done He is just giving us an example through the foot washing to do what he has done. We have, uh, as one of our five rhythms, missionary disciples seek to bless others as Jesus did. And therefore, disciples have compassion for others and seek opportunities to live out the gospel in word and deed. See, we seek to bless others as Jesus did. Jesus, by his example, he was blessing the disciples. And we want to have compassion on others. Now, I think compassion is a really interesting word. Uh, I looked it up. It is defined as this. It is a sympathetic feeling for another in distress and the desire to help them. So compassion, whenever it is used in scripture, it is always both the feeling and the appropriate action that goes with it. So you could have sympathy for someone and stay back here and not do anything. But if you are going to have compassion, you have to act. See, compassion is action. That's convicting to me. (laughs) So I want us to talk about this last question. What do we do when we just don't feel like it? Because that's the truth, right? We get the vision, we get the mission, we know God is calling us, and sometimes he offers us these unique opportunities to serve him. What do we do when we just don't feel like it? So I want you just to take about two minutes at your table um, to talk about that, and then we're going to share some in the room. All right, so they're on the move. We're going to go to some different tables and hear some new voices. Lindsay's hovering around you. Do you guys have something? Do you want to share? No. No. All right. Who wants to share? There we go. Thanks, Lisa. Pushing through. But um, one thing we didn't discuss at the table, but something that motivates me is I've got little tiny grandchildren, three grandsons under three and a half, and I don't want to play trains forever all (laughs) afternoon when I babysit. But I tell myself, I want to have a relationship with them when they're older. I want them, when I die, to have some, have, have, have had a life with me that was more than, you know, just superficial. So a lot of times I'll say in my head, I'm serving for a future goal. That's right. I'm serving for a future goal. You're changing your perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, in my personal experience, I often don't feel like serving. Um, and, You're not and, alone. And God's reaching into my time, and, and, uh, and I value my time more than my other resources. I just, 
I'm in my second year of retirement and it's my time, right? Um, but what I'm learning is just to move forward even with my questionable attitude, but, but to be obedient and very often, almost all the time, as I'm moving forward to do what I know I'm supposed to do, but really not wanting to, um, he changes my attitude and mm, he's so gracious and he doesn't hold it against me. And, oh, it's our good God, and, isn't uh, he? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's really not about, yay, I really want to change my plans today to do this. It's about, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> okay. Well, so I, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, okay. So let me give you, let me give you a couple thoughts. Um, and I know that there's so many more good thoughts out there, but um, we were just challenged. Um, so I'm leading a foundation group. And um, we were just in our training on Sunday, and David Grant was talking about this concept. What do you do when you don't feel like it? Um, and so this is what he shared with us. He said, um, the first thing is to be a student of yourself, which I think we're doing, and ask the question, why? So why? What's going on inside my soul? Why don't I feel like doing this? Um, and then the second thing is to repent. And let me tell you what repentance means. Repent means to agree with God, means to turn. It, it, the, the word is actually means turn. And so what it implies is that we turn away from that attitude, that whatever it is that's us focused, and we turn to God and, um, and then pray. And actually, I think the, pray, the why and the repent are prayerful whys and prayerful repentances. We say, Lord, why? What's going on in me? And, and when we repent, because a lot of times we still, like you were just saying, we don't want to do it. So I don't want to play trains with you on the floor for three hours. It's boring. Um, and so, is that true? Sorry, is that? A, and so, we, but we, we turn and we go, but Lord, I want to be the woman that you've asked me to be. I want to be the servant that you've asked me to be. I want to do the things that you are asking me to do. And because I know who I am, I can do that task that truly is below me. And I'll do it with joy. I'll play with trains. I'm capable of doing so much more. But I will play with trains on the floor because that is what you're asking me to do right now. And then it's taking that step of faith. Um, you know, I, 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 the, the sentiment was sometimes we just kind of have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and do it anyway. And, and I would say to be really careful about that, um, to, to really examine your soul and ask the Lord first what's going on, because I think sometimes our attitude is so stinky and yucky that we're actually going to do more harm by serving than we do by good. And so when we are in that place, I would say, don't just gut it out and do it anyway. Get on your knees and say, instead of doing this, I'm going to work on me. I'm going to ask you to do work on my soul because until that is right, I can't do this. Now, does that mean kids don't get dinner that night? You may have to call for pizza. I don't know. But um, there are some things sometimes that we just have to do. But I think there are also opportunities that that maybe we need to say no to because we've just got to work on the inner soul, our inner journey. So here's a challenge that I want to give to you guys. Um, take out your cell phone 
And um, if you choose to do this, I want to encourage you. This is something our staff was actually challenged to do this week. We are entering into Lent. Lent starts tomorrow. So at minimum, I want to ask you to do this for a week, but I want you to consider doing it for the next 40 days um, to set an alarm that will go off on your phone. And um, we were challenged to do it an hour after we wake up, but you know your schedule. So for me, it's actually two hours after I wake up. That's when I'm usually eating breakfast and I know where I am consistently. So I've set this reoccurring alarm to go off every day at this time. And when it goes off, I want to challenge you to pray pray this prayer. Lord, bring someone in my path that I can bless today. Bring someone in my path that I can bless today. And then I want you to reflect. And I want you to ask this question. Lord, did I miss someone you wanted me to bless yesterday? Now, we don't do that to make ourselves feel bad. We do that so that we can then ask God, help me not to miss it today. Because I think this is part of being a student of ourselves right? If we missed them, we can say, well, why did we miss them? Why did we blow past? Next week, we're going into our activity, our, um, uh, you know, exercise that we do before each lesson, and it is a prayer of indifference. And prayers of indifference don't mean that you don't care, but what it means is that you are indifferent to anything but God's will. And so we pray boldly, and we pray specifically, but we then open our hands, and we say, not my will, but your will be done. And this is the lesson we're going to actually see Jesus as he goes into the garden and he knows he's about ready to enter in to the very hardest thing he will ever do. He says, Lord, if there is any other way, but not my will, yours be done. And so as we pray these prayers this week, Lord, is there some, bring someone to me that I can bless today. And then did I miss someone yesterday? we offer a prayer of indifference. Lord, help me not to assert my will over yours. Help me serve you. I, um, I had the opportunity to um, put this into action yesterday. So Sue is sick, and, and I'm really just getting to start thinking about this at 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon. And so I'm in my office, and I'm frantically kind of typing some things out and, and piecing together parts of her message, and my office phone rings at 4.30. Now, I'm usually not in my office at 4.30, but when my office phone rings, it usually is only one thing. Somebody needs something. And so I sat there and I thought, you know, this is really important work that I'm doing. I really could just, no one knows I'm here. I can just let it go. And then I was like, oh, really? Are you, are you going to do that? Are you going to put what I have asked you to do are you going to serve? Perhaps this is the person I'm asking you to serve. And so I was like, all right, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you to take care of all the work that needs to be done. And I'm going to get up and I'm going to answer that phone with a joyful heart. And I will accept whatever comes as a result of it. So I answered the phone and it was a wrong number. <laughs> That's the short story. But in the midst of that conversation... I was able to be kind. I was able to say to that person who was calling, well, well, where did I call? Well, you called Irving Bible Church. Oh, and who are you? I'm one of the pastors here. See, if I had had the stinky attitude, 
I wouldn't have said it nearly like that. And I don't know what those words meant to that person. Probably nothing. They moved on. But it meant something to me. And see, and I think that that's what God does to us more often than not. Are you going to trust me? Will you pick up the phone? Will you do whatever it is I'm asking you to do? Will you serve me? We think sometimes it's going to be so inconvenient, so big, and we resist and we push back and we do all of this stuff, and often it's just a few seconds to be kind. So I just want to encourage you guys today to follow Jesus' example to us, to lay aside our agenda, to trust him with his. And let's go and let's serve and let's see what happens. I'm excited to hear your stories next week. Um, And I hope that you have some great stories about how that prayer came to fruition. Because do you know what else Jesus says in this passage at the very end? Not only do as I have done as I've set this example, but you're going to be blessed if you do. That's the promise to us. So go and be blessed.